What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Dahani Joseph, and today we are taking a look at the NBA game slate for Wednesday, October 26, 2022. It was a 10-game slate. There were 10 games played last night. We saw a bunch of teams in the East go at it. We had a few ESPN games. Overall, some solid basketball, some disappointing results especially from the Lakers. We're going to talk a lot about the Lakers this episode because, damn, 0-4 to start the season? LeBron, James, Anthony Davis, 0-4? That that doesn't sound right. The supplementary pieces that they have on that squad is a total mess. They cannot shoot. They aren't scoring over 100 points. It's not even as if some of these teams are good defensively. It's just that they can't shoot. They get wide open shots. They cannot knock them down. And then the NBA, the modern NBA where three-pointers are at a premium, that's not going to get it done, man. That's not going to get it done. They're in the realm of the Orlando Magic of the world who are 0-5. Teams that are at the bottom of their conference. Indiana will probably be at the bottom. A LeBron James-led team at the bottom of the conference, that's unheard of. That's unheard of. That hasn't happened since his rookie year. That's insane. People have to answer for what has been going on so far with the Los Angeles Lakers. And we'll get into all that and more, especially with some of these other teams that have been either playing really well or playing below what we thought they were going to be. Interesting dichotomy how things work in the NBA. But we'll get into all that and more right now. Don't touch that dial. We coming to you right now. Alright, so getting started with the first game of the evening, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers versus the Orlando Magic. The Cavs were successful in their game as they defeated the Magic 103-92. Orlando's fifth straight loss, winless on the season right now at 0-5. And this Orlando Magic team, man, they have the talent. They aren't lacking in that department. They have lots of young guys who can score, who can do different things offensively. But at the end of the day, man, when you're young, the NBA you usually don't win a lot of games. And right now, they're not looking like they're going to win over 20 games, maybe. And that's even a stretch for this Orlando Magic squad. But, hey, when you suck and you're not a good team, you get rewarded with a number one pick. And that is exactly what happened last year for the Orlando Magic. And they got Paolo Bancaro, number one pick out of Duke University. And he has been on a tear these last five games. He has the third longest streak of 20-point games to start a career by a number one pick. The other two, Elvin Hayes of the San Diego Rockets. That's how far back you're going with that one. We have 10 straight 20-plus point games back in 1968. And Oscar Robertson, the big O, with the Cincinnati Royals with six straight games back in 1960. Okay, So we're talking about all-time great players 
at that number one pick. And Paolo is on pace to break Oscar Robertson's record. He has one more game to tie it, another one to break it. And then who's to say he can't surpass Elvin Hayes' record of 10 straight? He's the number one option on this Orlando Magic team, all right? Last night against Cleveland, he had 29 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, shooting 10 of 19 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3-point range, 6 of 8 from the free throw line. He's a veteran out there, just that he happens to still be a rookie. Like He plays like a 10-year vet. His moves are polished. He doesn't waste any motion. He's able to get to his spots with ease. And we saw this out of Duke in his college, lone college season under Coach K. We saw the ability to create his own shot, the ability to get into the lane and finish athletic finishes. He can sky up for a dunk. He has post moves. He has the footwork of a veteran. I think that's what was so tantalizing as a prospect. For so long, people thought that Jabari Smith would be the number one pick. And that's not necessarily a a bad thing to take Jabari Smith number one because he had all the things that you wanted out of a forward at the time. He could score. He can defend. He can do all the little things you need him to do. The intangibles, they were all there for Jabari Smith Jr. But taking Paolo Bancaro, it seems like it was the right move for the Orlando Magic who now have a star. He's going to sell out tickets for the Orlando Magic, especially once they become relevant in the Eastern Conference. He's a guy that can give you 25-plus a night as a rookie. That'll improve as, as a team improves, as they get more playmakers to help him score. Because he can score at the dribble isolation, but can you imagine getting him in more pick-and-roll action with guards that can score more, that can create, that are more of a live threat than some of the dudes they have on this roster? Paolo will be a top-five type of dude in terms of scoring if he gets that opportunity. For the winning side, going over to Cleveland, you see a team that is three and one. They haven't lost since that initial game to start the season against Toronto, where in all likelihood they would have won had Darius Garland not got hurt. But they lost that one now three straight, three and one on the year. And we saw Evan Mobley dropping twenty points, nine of fifteen. This is the production that we're looking for from Evan Mobley. As fans of the NBA, we all understand his defensive potential and what he does on that end of end of the floor. But when it comes down to it, for Cleveland to be considered a serious contender in the Eastern Conference, they need Mobley to step it up offensively. He, if he can give them 20-plus points per game, eight, nine boards, and three blocks a night, which he's very capable of doing, adding some assists as well, he's a guy that will be an all-star for this team. He's a guy that can be a top scorer on this team along with Mitchell and Garland. And more importantly, Cleveland will be a top three team in the East. I mean, when you look at the landscape, yeah, it'll be tough. You have a Milwaukee of the world that, despite not making it back to the finals to defend their championship last year, they're still live. They're a very deep team, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Chris Middleton's coming back. He's no slouch. He's an all-star. You have Boston, who just went to the finals to represent the Eastern Conference. They're live as well. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, the whole crew over there. They're going to be a top team. And then you have other teams like Philadelphia, who's struggling right now, but I'm sure they'll get it together. Teams like the Knicks were surprisingly good. I know it's like saying that they're not contenders by any stretch of the imagination, but 
They're good. Atlanta's good. There's a bunch of good teams in the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn. But I think that Cleveland can be in that top three. I really do. That's showing their offensive firepower that they have now, adding Donovan Mitchell. Their paint presence with Mobley and Allen. Their veteran leadership that they have there, like a Kevin Love, Robin Lopez, people like that. You got to think. This team, if Evan Mobley takes that next step to being an all-star, all-NBA caliber dude, the East can run through them. And that's something that Cleveland fans everywhere would love to hear, especially since LeBron James is not in their jerseys. He most likely will not be getting back into their jerseys, although that may change. We'll, we'll get into that once we get to the Lakers, which is the last team we're going to cover today. But for right now, he's not on that roster, but they have a real shot, a real shot to... Make it out the East with their current roster. Next game, the Atlanta Hawks took on the Detroit Pistons, and the Hawks were able to defeat them 118 to 113. Trey Young did Trey Young things. He put up 35 points, six assists, nine of 21 from the field, 16 of 17 from the free throw line. We all understand Trey Young's an offense all unto himself. He's a point guard. A dom- dynamo, he can do all the things you want out of the point guard position. He can score at a high clip. He can facilitate at a high clip. There's nothing that he really can't do on the offensive end of the ball as a point guard. DeAndre Hunter chipped in 17 points, 7 of 10, 2 of 3. He was the piece that I was looking for production from because, like we see DeJounte Murray, we know what he's going to give you. He, he gave you 14 Eight boards, eight assists, two blocks, two steals. He'll fill up the stat sheet for you. John Collins, we know he can give you 20 a night. Last night he had 19 and 11, four blocks. Clint Capella only had six points with 10 rebounds, four blocks. Again, one of the best starting fives in the league, this Atlanta Hawks team. It all comes down to that wing position. And if DeAndre Hunter could step up consistently, 17 points, great. Three rebounds, great. Two or three from three. If this team can get it together with that starting five, make sure DeAndre Hunter is getting at least 15-plus a night, playing great defense, they could be a team live for that 3-4 spot in the East, especially now with DeJounte Murray. So Trae Young doesn't have to do everything every single night. Plus their bench play. Onyeka Kong had 10. <clears throat> Aaron Holiday had 10 as well. Just getting contributions from everywhere else. Maybe they swing for... Getting a veteran in there, maybe a Carmelo Anthony or somebody like that, making a few trades. They have some young guys, some pieces. Atlanta can go all in this year, and if they can make the right moves, make the right pickups, Atlanta can definitely be a threat to make it to the semifinals at bare minimum in the Eastern Conference, potentially Eastern Conference Finals, because what they have around them and the offensive potential that they have as well. Next up, two teams that also are looking to make it to the Conference Finals, one that, in all likelihood, probably will end up being there. And the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks took on the Nets. And the Bucks took no time at all to make the Nets realize that they got a long way to go to being the creme de la creme of the Eastern Conference, okay? After a slow first half offensively, I was watching some of this game early on. It was tough for both teams to score. Credit to Brooklyn. For making it tough for Milwaukee to score, especially in that second quarter, they held them to 18 points. Brooklyn was really stepping it up defensively, and for Brooklyn being one of the worst teams in the league defensively as of today, October 27th, that was a real solid improvement 
that we saw from them. But second half, Milwaukee showed them that there's levels to this. Score outscored Brooklyn 67 to 44 in the second half. Milwaukee's just a different animal, just a different beast, man. Giannis Antetokounmpo in particular, 43 points, 14 rebounds, five assists, three blocks, and a steal. That's a mouthful. You don't get better than that. Best player in the NBA by far, 16 and 25 from the field, 10 to 14 from the line. He can do no wrong on the basketball court. Drew Holiday tipped in 15 and four or seven boards. Bobby Portis off the bench, 20 and 11. They have so much versatility offensively, defensively as well. Chris Middleton isn't even back yet. Like, are you serious? Like, top to bottom, Milwaukee may be the deepest, scariest team to face in the league. Like, consider just they have the best player. They have one of the best coaches in Mike Budenholzer. Their system works. It's proven as where they won a championship. We all know that Giannis Antetokounmpo is certainly not done winning championships. Might not even be done winning MVP Defensive Player of the Year awards. First team on NBA guy for sure. Chris Middleton, his co-star, is an all-star. Drew Holiday as well. Semi-all-star, though. He probably won't get the award. He produces like an all-star night in and night out. Brooke Lopez, Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis, Wes Matthews, Joe Ingles. The list goes on and on. This Milwaukee team is a serious threat to win a championship year in and year out. And that's something that Brooklyn would love to say, but they can't. Because they have so much fluctuation, so much drama. Coach Steve Nash got ejected. He was irate. Oh, my God. Can we talk about that for a second? I was watching the game. And like, I, mind you, I, was, I had it on my laptop because I was playing 2K or Madden or whatever. And as I'm watching it, I just, I just see them, like, cut to Nash on the sideline. He is furious. Like, I've never seen – see, Nash is, like – I don't want to, like, give a Canadian stereotype. But like, he's he's really well-mannered, you know. Like, he's even killed often. But last night, he was eyes bulging, like, popping out of his head. Like, he was ready to fight somebody when he got that technical. And then he got sex technical to be ejected. He was furious. I've never seen Steve Nash like that as a coach. We all know that he was a major competitor during his time as a point guard in the NBA, two-time MVP. But just seeing that, you know, the team rallied behind him, too. The entire game, really, he was he was sort of being way more vocal than usual. Ben Simmons early on got a, a foul call. He didn't like it. He was, he was letting the refs know early. He was very vocal of all the things that Ben Simmons was doing. So credit to him for empowering his players. But... That ejection was definitely not not. We didn't see that coming. We didn't see that coming at all. So shout out to Steve Nash for getting getting his foot down and saying, "All right, these are my guys, and I'm gonna fight for them." Credit to him. KD, thirty three points, six boards. He did what he could. Kyrie Irving, twenty seven points, nine rebounds, doing what he could. Ben Simmons, four points. Five rebounds, nine assists, two of seven. Oh, well, I was saying, oh, oh, three point range. We know he don't take three pointers. Oh, two from free throw line. <laughs> two steals, a block. Simmons is sort of becoming the Draymond Green in terms of what his stat line is going to be. He can do more. I, I, I'm waiting to see the the 17, 10, and 12 game from Simmons that we saw in Philadelphia. I, I'm not going to question. 
his love of the game. I'm not going to question the time that he's put in. But it's not showing up on the court, bro. I, I get it. You don't want to take shots, apparently. You don't want to take shots as a professional basketball player. That's not my my call to make in terms of what you do on the court. My defensive player of the year pick was Ben Simmons for a reason. Defensively, he's he's been solid despite the team not doing good overall. He's been doing his thing at times. Of course, when you get 40, 43 dropped on you by Giannis, it's not the best look. But I don't know, man. I'm, I, I want to root for Ben Simmons. I really do. But these performances, man, give me a cause to pause. Next game, the New York Knicks, who are 3-1, and one, the best start in 10 years for the Knicks, took on the Charlotte Hornets. The Knicks beat them in overtime, 134-131, to 131, a high-scoring game in the Garden. And for this Knicks team, Jalen Brunson, man, $100 million man, he's looking like he's worth every penny so far. As he dropped 27 points, hit the go-ahead basket in overtime to help the Knicks win. 27 points, 13 assists, 7 boards, shooting 10 of 15 from the field, 2 of 5 from the 3-pointer, 5 of 5 from the free throw line. You cannot ask for better point guard play than what Jalen Brunson is doing right now. And... For the moment, he's looking like the solution to a lot of the Knicks' problems. It also helps when you get Randall chipping at 17, R.J. Barrett, another 20-point game for him, 22.921. He's still over 5 from 3-point range. That's going to be a something that they're going to have to address sooner than later if he's shooting this poorly from 3-point range. But overall, you have great production. Derrick Rose at 12 out the bench, quickly at 11. This team got some dudes, man. They got some players. They have the ability to defend. Look no further than Mitchell Robinson, who had six blocks on the season. This Knicks team is special, man. They're one of the better teams so far in the NBA, in the Eastern Conference particularly. They're defending at a high clip. I can see them making the playoffs. Maybe that's just me as a New Yorker saying that, but I can see them making the playoffs. I can see them maybe winning a playoff series if their defense holds up. Because offensively, they're they're scoring right now. Granted, it was against Charlotte. But they're able to score. Jalen Brunson, who knows? If he continues this type of production, he could become an all-star. And the Knicks would love to have, anytime they have an all-star in New York, that's great. But when you have a point guard that's an all-star in New York City, one of the best cities in the world in terms of producing all-star point guards, the long line of point guards have come out of the New York City area. That's something special. That's something special, and the fans of New York would love to see that happen. Next up, the Toronto Raptors took on the Philadelphia 76ers, and it was Toronto who took advantage of a Philadelphia 76ers squad that looks lost out there defensively, beating them 119-109. to Philadelphia, so far, one of the more disappointing teams in the league. You thought that... After all the offseason acquisitions that they made, P.J. Tucker, Daniel House, Montrez Harrell, Anthony Melton, all these guys that were good on their respective teams thought that they would bring an identity to this Philadelphia team that after the Ben Simmons fiasco, they really didn't have identity outside of Joel Embiid being one of the top players, league MVP candidate. But at this point, Philadelphia, 1-4, 
we wouldn't have expected that. If anything, 4-1 and one would have been the record that she would predict five games in because they have the talent. They have the talent. They have Joel Embiid dropping 31 points, five rebounds on 12-17. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey, who had a breakout game by all standards this season, 31 points, six assists, 12-21, four of eight from three. James Harden struggled slightly from the field, not necessarily. Five of 12 for 18 points, seven rebounds, nine assists. I mean, your big three is doing what they got to do. Tobias Harris had a rather quiet game of three points, but he won't do that too often. You got to think, man, their offense hasn't been the problem necessarily. It's been their defense. And credit to Toronto who had six guys in double figures. Gary Trent Jr. with 27 points, team high for the evening. They have a bunch of dudes that are long, scrappy, hard-nosed defenders, players that want to win. Just because they don't have the quote-unquote star, superstar that other teams have, they're trying to win a bunch of games. They'll end up in that 4-6 to six range in the Eastern Conference. And whoever they play, they're going to give them a run for their money for sure. Solely because the way that they play defense and the way that they have so much versatility on offense. And I think this is kind of a wake-up call for Philadelphia. They did not expect being one for four this early into the season. Their defense is the issue. You all understand that. They have to make the, the proper adjustments. They got to stick together. And hopefully they get it together because they were... A sleeper pick for sure for a lot of people to make it out of the Eastern Conference. This is probably the best chance that Joel Embiid has to make it to the NBA Finals. Also, maybe his best chance to win MVP, depending on where they end up finishing. Because if they finish first in the Eastern Conference, it's almost certain that Joel Embiid will get MVP solely because he hasn't gotten the last two years. He's been putting up monster numbers. He's going to do the same this year. But more importantly, the team is going to be a top two team. That's generally the formula for success in terms of getting the MVP award in the NBA. Next game, we have the Chicago Bulls versus the Indiana Pacers. For this game, it was Chicago that was victorious, 124-109. to And this one, we saw a 76-point first half by Chicago. That ultimately propelled them to the victory against the Indiana team who despite having talent in their guard spot and some other dudes around uh, around the organization, around the team, rather, they, they could play. 17-11 for Tyrese Halliburton, 25 for Buddy Heels, who, by all accounts, Lakers fans would love to have him over a few players on that roster. Benedict Matherin shipped in 15. He's number two in the Rookie of the Year race, according to NBA ESPN. But Chicago took care of business, man. They were able to defend. Zach Levine ended with 28 points. DeRozan shifted in 17. He's now seven points away from reaching 20,000 career points. I feel like once Lonzo Ball comes back, Chicago can be another one of those teams. Like a Toronto that's going to be in that four to six range in the East. An, a tough, tough out. But also, I think first round exit is their ceiling. Next game up, the Utah Jazz versus the Houston Rockets. Utah was able to avenge their loss in the last game against Houston. Even the series, two games apiece, Utah 4-1. and one. Again, nobody expected this 4-1, but 
you look at the roster, man, they have people that could actually play basketball, which isn't the hallmark of a team that's tanking. Although, when you look at a team like the Lakers, they're, they're damn near tanking by accident. <laughs> they got some really good players on their squad. But Lowry marking in 24 points, nine rebounds. He's showing his potential. We all thought he had potential coming out of college when he, got, when he was a lottery selection. But, I mean, he's showing promise now, 24-9-3. and three. Jordan Clarkson with 20 points. They have some real basketball players on this team, which is it's funny to say, but they can really hoop. For Houston, they had Kevin Porter Jr. with 24 points. Ultimately, just couldn't get it done defensively. Hallmark of young teams in the league. We all understand that. Next game, the Minnesota Timberwolves versus the San Antonio Spurs. Where the Timberwolves defeated the Spurs 134 to 122. And this one, Minnesota saw four players score 20 plus points. Anthony Edwards led the way with 34, nine assists to go along with it. Jaden McDaniel scored 20 points. Cat scored 21 and 7, 9 of 14, 3 of 5 from the three point line. And Jalen Noel off the bench at 23 points. Just showing the offensive potential of this Minnesota squad. We all know they could score even from last season. That wasn't the issue. The issue was that they couldn't defend. Giving up 122 points. Although they got the win, they're definitely going to want to cut down on those opportunities for the other team. As they scored, the Spurs scored 41 points in the third quarter. That's not going to get it done against some of the more offensively talented teams in the league. Especially when they have great defense such as a team like the Phoenix Suns. Another team that is pretty good offensively. They have some dudes, but they couldn't get it done this night, was the Portland Trailblazers, who fell to the Miami Heat, 119-98. to Miami snapped Portland's four-game winning streak as six players on the Heat scored double digits. They had Butler, Martin, Adebayo, Lowry, Harrow, and Max Struess. All scoring double figures for them. Just a, a tough, gritty Miami Heat type of win. Defensively, they were solid. Holding the Trailblazers only 98 points, under 100 points. That's what Heat culture does. They're in the ball. We all understand what Miami could do, although they're 2-3. and three. We all know they'll end up getting around 45-plus wins on the season just because of the talent that they have and the coaching that they are equipped with in terms of having Eric Spolstra. For the Blazers, first loss of the year, they couldn't keep up the, the 4-0, 5-0. I don't think they would have sustained that. But, you know, the scoring, not necessarily an issue considering you saw them play really well the last four games. They were all close games. Ultimately, Miami sort of came out the gate strong, never looked back from that point. 22 points for Dame, 14 for Anthony Simons, 10 for Hart. Just not a great showing, but credit to Miami for their defense. And now for the final game of the night. The Denver Nuggets versus the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers fall to 0-4. I said that 0-4 on the year. LeBron James-led teams have never been 0-4. Not since... His rookie year. So from 2004-2005 to now, they have not been 
0-4. They haven't started the season losing four straight games. That's testament one now how great LeBron James has been and how he still is great, but also just the lack of talent. I don't even want to say the lack of talent because they had talented players. Anthony Davis, LeBron James being the head of that. But they can't shoot. And I, I know it's like being a dead horse at this point, but 26% on this game. They saw 26%. I want to break down the shooting splits for you for this roster. 22% as a team from three-point range. As a team, they're shooting 22%. Let me, let me get into the more specifics for you. LeBron James, 25.7% from three-point range, shooting nine a game. That's horrendous. Anthony Davis, 18% shooting three a game. Lonnie Walker, 17%. Russell Westbrook, 8% from three-point range. Kendrick Nunn, 23.5%. Patrick Beverly, 20%. Juan Toscano Anderson, 12%. They have Austin Reeves, who shoots 40%. One three-point making game for three attempts. Two and a half attempts. Matt Ryan, 1.3. Three-pointers made. 2.7 attempts for 50%. This team can't shoot. And it's sad. It's sad because last season we all saw, everybody was watching. Lakers were always on television, always being t- talked about by first take analyst Stephen A. Smith. All the, all the national airwaves were constantly talking about the Los Angeles Lakers and how they need to go out this offseason to get shooting. What did they do this offseason? They got Lonnie Walker, 17%. They got Patrick Beverly, 18%. Troy Brown Jr., who hasn't even hit a three on the season. He's taken almost three a game. He hasn't hit one yet. Juan Toscano Anderson, 12.5%. He has never been a shooter in his career. This is a problem. This is the problem where you have a team led by LeBron James who's in his last few years in the league, turning 37, I believe, this year, 37, 38, 20th year in the league. And you surround him with non-shooters. That had never been a formula for success when it comes to LeBron James-led teams. Every team that he has been on that has been successful, that has made it to the finals, with the exception of maybe this Lakers squad that he took, but even then, he still has shooting to a certain degree, not like this. They've all had shooters. They've all had guys that he can say, all right, if you're open, you're knocking it down. The Kyle Corvers of the world. The Kyrie Irvings of the world. J.R. Smith, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kevin Love, Channing Fry, Like, you can go down the list of all the players that he's had that have been able to be capable shooters. Even a guy like Carmelo Anthony last year was one of the better three-point shooters on the squad. He's not on this roster anymore. He's just chilling at home. He's probably going to wait, pull Odell Beckham, go to a team that looks like a contender, and help them win it, which I respect. Carmelo deserves the ring. Hasn't won championships in Syracuse. National champions. He's looking for his NBA championship. But the bottom line is this. The Lakers cannot shoot. They are a historically bad shooting team. And if you take a look at the schedule real quick, they're 0-4 right now. Next game, Minnesota. 
The game after that, Denver, then New Orleans, then Utah, Cleveland, Utah again, the Clippers, Sacramento. Those are the nice games from Friday, October 28th to Friday, November 11th. A two-week span. Minnesota, they could lose. Denver, they could lose. New Orleans, they could lose. Utah, let's say they win one of those games. So that's two games right there. Cleveland, one, two, three, four, five, six. They can go one and nine. That's being generous. Clippers are losing. Uh, one and ten. Sacramento, one and eleven. This team can go into the month of November, the halfway point, one and eleven. Something has to be done. Whether that be make trades. If I'm not mistaken, the Lakers don't even have their pick for this coming draft. So, unless they make a splash, get a trade, get their pick back, or get a pick for this year, they're not even benefiting by sucking by getting Victor, Victor Wembanyama, Scoot Henderson, all the guys that are in this loaded draft. They're stuck. They're stuck, and if they get to a point where they're 1-10, and 1-11, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Anthony Davis on the trade block. Russell Westbrook is essentially gone from this team. LeBron James maybe even chopped around, which is why I talked about Cleveland not having LeBron. Hey, Cleveland, they have some tradable assets. They have a guy in Darius Garland who's an all-star, who could sell tickets. They have a guy in Evan Mobley who's a young star, although I doubt they'll trade him. Maybe they'll trade a, a Garland, Lavert, some combo with that with picks. There's there's plenty of teams that would love to get LeBron. Plenty of teams that would like to get Anthony Davis, although not to the same extent. His talent is there, but we all know his health is another another concern altogether. Something has to be done for this Lakers team, and as of right now. There's no immediate fix. Even if they trade Westbrook, get Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, get some shooting. It's going to be tough, man. Especially with the scrutiny that they're facing so far. I know it's early, but these losses have not been kind. And it's only going to get worse from here. So, Rob Palenka, Jeannie Buss, everybody in that Lakers organization, take notes, man. Take notes. You have to pay attention because this season can get out of hand fast, real fast, if there is not a major change made to this Lakers roster, whether it be trading Anthony Davis, trading Russell Westbrook, even LeBron James. Something has to be done before 0-11, 0-12. That's a real possibility. A historically bad team that may not even win 15 games with no draft compensation for this year in this loaded draft. Something has to be done. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of the From Downtown podcast. I had to go on a little rant about the Lakers. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's something that's unacceptable, man, to make a roster that horrendous, that horrific that anemic offensively in terms of shooting the three-pointer, which is a product of Seth Curry, of the greatness of the Golden State Warriors, transforming the league to what it is today. Not having shooting is a sin, and you cannot have that in the NBA. 
thank you so much for watching. Uh, <laughs> rate it five stars. Share it with family and friends. I just want to thank you guys for continuing to listen, continuing to support, because without you, what am I doing here, you know? So thank you guys so much. Next time, we will be taking a look at the games for Thursday, October 27th. Then Friday, then the weekend, and the next week, Power Rankings coming out. Power Rankings are coming out. Just watching the, the teams unfold, the games unfold. Definitely going to be some shifts. Definitely going to be some movement in that top five, and I'm very excited to get into that. There's a few more games for this week. Monday's only a few days away, but I've got my eye on some teams. I got my eye on a few teams in particular that can take that number one spot away from Boston. But until next time, guys, thanks so much for watching, and take care.